0: new transport initiatives to fight climate change, consumers fear the worst when it comes to pharmaceutical supply chains, and it looks like the tight capacity in truck markets will stick around a while. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends, on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the group editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Rider, the only fully integrated logistics and transportation provider in the industry. Rider's solutions cover the entire supply chain, including warehousing, transportation logistics, e-commerce fulfillment, and last mile. Discover how Rider can make you ever better at Rider.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames, and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, the world has recently been focusing on the effects of climate change. Last week, the COP26 summit in Scotland concluded with some international promises to do something about it. To discuss some of the latest initiatives, I spoke yesterday to Dr. Cristiano Fasagna of the environmental advocacy group CalSTART. Here is our conversation. Joining me now is Dr. Cristiano Fasanya, the Global Director at CalSTART. He's a transportation and environmental engineer whose mission is to reduce climate change and air pollution by focusing on cleaning the transportation sector. He's also an expert in the design, modeling, and evaluation of transportation emission reduction strategies and policies. Dr. Fasagna currently leads CalSTART's Commercial Vehicle Drive to Zero program, which promotes the market for zero-emission trucks and buses worldwide. Welcome to Logistics Matters, Cristiano.
1: Thank you, David. Very uh, glad to be here.
0: For listeners not familiar with CalSTAR, can you describe the work of your organization?
1: Absolutely. So we are an environmental uh, organization uh, working together with industry and government uh, to accelerate the clean transportation industry you know, primarily focused on how to bring zero emission technologies like, as fast as we can to mitigate climate change and reduce air pollution while creating uh, clean technology jobs uh, and foster energy security.
0: Now, the world recently focused on climate change as part of the COP26 conference that was held in Scotland. And that summit had a number of major goals. Do you think they accomplished what they set out to do there?
1: well it really depends if your uh, glass half empty or half full you know the reality is that the world uh, is really failing to limit global warming uh, to 1.5 degrees uh, but yet uh, cop 26 really put a, a series of new procedures you know to keep that possibility alive uh, you know most importantly with governments uh, committing to strengthen their national plans for emission reduction uh, before uh, COP27 uh, in Egypt next year. Like originally, this was going to happen only by 2025. And then so countries agreed uh, to doing that by next year, like in addition to like other uh, commitments uh, to deforestation, to uh, phasing out or phasing down uh, coal uh, and methane reduction and commitments to, uh, to electric vehicles, like as well.
0: And of course, our audience is directed at transportation, and I know that's the area that you work in. And there was a significant development at the COP26 where a number of countries joined together in an international agreement to target 100 percent zero emission new truck and bus sales during the coming years. Now, that agreement was reached at the summit. Can you describe a little bit about that and, and why that is significant?
1: Absolutely, in this agreement, uh, which we call the Global Memorandum of Understanding, uh, 15 countries agreed uh, to work together uh, towards 100% of sales of new uh, truck and buses being zero emissions uh, by 2030, and an interim target of 30% sales being zero emissions uh, by 2030. Like this is really the first time that most of these 15 countries have ever committed uh, to that level of ambition. Uh, so this is uh, quite a big deal, like here. And you know, and let's just note that from, a, from an environmental perspective, uh, globally, uh, trucks and buses, they represent about 4% of the global on-road fleet. But this 4%, uh, they're responsible for over a third of greenhouse gas emissions from the on-road sector. And over 70% of uh, nitrogen oxide emissions that contribute to global uh, air pollution. So it is quite an effective target uh, for fast uh, decarbonization.
0: That is significant. And of course, 15 countries are involved in this. Our neighbor to the north, Canada, was one of them. We have a number of listeners from Canada, but the US was not a part of this initiative. Why is that?
1: Well, this is a uh, let me just emphasize that this is really the first a uh, set of countries uh, that uh, agreed to align around the same target, and uh, we're also holding discussions with uh, many other countries uh, that have not yet uh, signed uh, the MOU, but we can expect uh, them to sign uh, 2022, in, in 2022. So, And while I cannot talk uh, like specifically about any individual countries, Uh, You know, just knowing that, you know, we are in discussions with some of the major uh, global economies uh, about joining uh,
0: the MOU. Well, hopefully more nations will sign on to that. Were there other agreements from the meetings that affect supply chains?
1: Yes, there is a parallel agreement, which we call the COP26 Declaration on Zero Emission Cars and Vans. Uh, So that is one that really brings together governments uh, and industry. Uh, committing to uh, 100% zero emission uh, car and van sales by 2035 in leading markets, and no later than 2040 globally. So this is really the first time that every single uh, mode uh, for the road transportation sector is really aligned in a pathway uh, towards zero emission uh, sales, or 100% zero emission sales, Uh, in line to achieve the ambition of the Paris Agreement.
0: There seems to be more of an inclination to want to do something about climate change than ever before. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I think more and more the the impacts of climate change uh, become uh, more visible uh, to us with uh, floods and forest fires. And so I think the... uh, I mean, the we're we're really running out of time uh, here, you know. And then the longer uh, that we wait, uh, the more expensive uh, it's going to get, you know. And then the more uncertain uh, the impacts are going to become. So I think that that reality is is waking up is is, is essentially here. Um, but the important thing on on this two agreements, uh, David, is that. They're agreements that uh, that include collaboration between both government and industry right So you know talking about the agreement on uh, on zero emission truck and buses, um, you know in addition to the 15 countries that sign uh, the MOU itself, like over 40 uh, subnational governments and industries also endorse uh, the ambition of the MOU. So it's it's a truly uh, government and industry uh, collaboration here. And that's really the first time uh, that we see this level of alignment uh, towards a zero emission transportation future.
0: What should we do as supply chain professionals to take a more proactive lead against climate change?
1: Yeah, I think the, uh, it's important to recognize that the transport is one of the most prominent sectors uh, like in impacting uh, climate change so one of the most important things and it's really start with establishing ambitious targets right so the same way that countries uh, have uh, or leading countries have established targets like as uh, industry leaders it's also important to set uh, net zero targets you know trying to reduce emissions from your operations you know and ideally uh, getting that to be neutral right and then, really important to uh, to support uh, the implementation of strong policies uh, towards vehicle efficiency and, and zero emission uh, vehicles, right? So those include, you know, both uh, the sticks, you know, for example, the regulations, uh, but also the carrots, right? So uh, a lot of these emission zero emission technologies, they're still uh, their their capital costs are still higher and uh the operational costs are much lower but you still need you know to help uh, fleets you know to cover the difference uh between those two so support for uh, strong incentives uh that are you know both targeted and time bound are important but they're only going to be effective if you have strong regulations in place so support to this combined what we call ecosystems of You know, regulations and incentives is quite important uh, here just to make sure that uh, that nobody is left behind and that the you know, there is a level play field
0: like here. I know this could be another hour long discussion, but I'd just like to know about your take very quickly on the recently signed into law infrastructure bill in the U.S. and how it will address climate change through some of the provisions within the bill.
1: Absolutely. So the infrastructure bill is really a crucial move uh, in the right direction. Uh, it's definitely not sufficient uh, to tackle the climate crisis, but it's definitely going to set the US uh, on the right track. It, it really lays the, uh, the foundation for an infrastructure of like a world with, uh, with increasing climate impacts and you know it does uh, set the foundation for the creation of good uh, clean energy jobs uh, like including a lot of focus on on clean uh, school buses you know and it also builds you know some resources to make sure that even the uh, the power grid uh, is essentially cleaner and so that's really critical that you know if we want our transportation sector you know, to be increasingly clean uh, with zero emissions, we need to make sure that that energy, uh, the powering uh, the vehicles is also clean.
0: We've been talking to Dr. Cristiano Fasagna, the global director of CalStart. Thank you, Cristiano, for being with us today. Thank you, David, for having me here. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Victoria, you reported this week that consumers fear that supply chain issues might place their medicines and other pharmaceuticals at risk. Can you tell us more?
2: Yes, uh, happy to, Dave. So yeah, it turns out that many people don't... um trust the pharmaceutical supply chain and are calling for greater transparency and accountability among its stakeholders and also government agencies. And that's according to a study uh, from supply chain technology provider uh, Zebra Technologies that was uh, released earlier this week. Um, It was a pretty big study. The company surveyed more than 3,500 patients and pharmaceutical industry leaders to evaluate three things, uh, perceived supply chain stability, Uh, They wanted to gauge supply chain responsibility and trust in its entities, and also um, identify needs for improving supply chain visibility and transparency. And they found that many patients distrust certain elements of the supply chain, including uh, those who make, distribute, prescribe, and dispense medications, uh, so that's quite a bit of it, and that 43% of them worry that they could face more illness or even death if certain supply chain problems go unaddressed. Some of those problems include drug effectiveness. About 75% of respondents are concerned about that um, for a range of reasons. And some other concerns included labeling errors, contamination due to poor handling or storage, and receiving counterfeit medicines. About 70% of respondents were concerned about um, those issues. And you know, as we've been discussing for months, there's been a spotlight on the supply chain in general, and certainly on the medical and pharmaceutical supply chains due to the pandemic. So this seems really to echo um, those concerns.
0: Victoria, what are some of the accountability and transparency measures that people want to see?
2: A few things, um, and they're all aimed at making sure medications are safe and authentic. That's the big issue. Um, Patients want to know, as I said a minute ago, that medication isn't counterfeit, um, and also that it hasn't been tampered with in any way. They want to be assured, um, this was a specific point, that temperature-sensitive medications have stayed within the prescribed range. Um, That's been a big issue, of course, with the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, Some things drug makers can do um, are disclose how how their medications are manufactured and handled, as well as how they're transported and stored, and to verify the source of ingredients, including the country of origin and local standards for the medication. Consumers essentially want greater visibility on all of those issues. Um, Traceability and transparency mandates are emerging to address many of these um, issues. In Europe, they have what's called the Falsified Medicines Directive, uh, which aims to improve safety and protect the public from counterfeit or inauthentic drugs. And here in the US, the Food and Drug Administration is requiring product tracing systems to be in place by 2023, and that's part of the Drug Supply Chain Safety Act. The pharmaceutical industry representatives surveyed for the report said they feel prepared to comply with traceability and transparency mandates. And many said they're implementing technology solutions to help with those goals, and we've reported on a lot of these new technologies for asset tracking and monitoring and things, three quarters of those surveyed said they have already deployed location services technology or plan to in the next year. And these are steps they say would improve um, production workflows and drug tracking, but they'd also reduce uh, shrink, which is the industry term for inventory loss due to a range of factors, employee theft, shoplifting, vendor fraud, all those kinds of things as well as tampering. And it will also um, give patients the visibility and information they want. So those are some things that uh, companies can do and are doing.
0: Well, certainly it's an important supply chain to make sure that we get right. Thanks, Victoria. Absolutely, you're welcome. And Ben, you wrote this week about how the tight freight markets we're currently experiencing will probably stretch well into 2022. Can you share some details on that story?
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, For some months now, we've been talking in the magazine and here on the podcast about really tight capacity in the trucking sector and all the effects of that situation, uh, like rising freight prices for retailers and other shippers and the lack of extra capability to clear backups at container ports. Uh, we, We now see there are thousands of shipping containers all stacked up on the wharves and they're still waiting for trucks or trains to haul them away. And this week, We heard a forecast that uh, trucking fleets will probably continue to have that kind of strong market uh, quote well into 2022. So that was a report from FTR, Transportation Intelligence. They're a freight analysis firm based in Indiana. And specifically FTR said that its uh, trucking conditions index uh, reading for the month of September had increased over August. uh, And that keeps the trend going. Uh, That index um, tracks a number of variables in the market, but it basically comes down to supply and demand. Uh, As for supply, when the trucking market is tight, it, of course, could use more trucks on the road. However, uh, automakers are trying to build those, but they're struggling to build more trucks because of things like the same supply chain jams that we've been talking about, in this case uh, for parts and materials for most of the automobiles. including those shortages of computer chips that we hear about. Uh, And likewise, even when they get the trucks, trucking fleets are struggling to move them across the highways uh, because of a shortage of drivers. Uh, FDR did find that in September there was a considerably stronger recovery in driver capacity than they'd seen previously, but the industry is still not returning to normal, they said, uh, in part because uh, there's a surge of uh, newly authorized smaller carriers uh, so the shift of driver capacity is sort of moving around uh, in a different pattern than its uh, than its typical ways.
0: So as you mentioned, the supply of trucks and drivers is restricted, but how about the demand for space within the trailers?
3: Yeah, that, that's really where the balance hits, because um, in a macro sense, of course, the economy is uh, you know rebounding from uh, the the last year's pandemic shutdowns. Um, And FTR said that that rebound is still going strong, um, thanks largely to continued strong consumer spending. So the firm is tracking that closely. And for its long term predictions of that trucking market, it says that a key factor for the freight market uh, will be whether consumer spending remains as robust as as it is right now beyond the holiday peak. Uh, So I looked into that, and uh, recent shopping statistics show that consumer spending is also on track to stay strong. Uh, The National Retail Federation, the NRF, said this week that uh, retail sales rose in October, as many consumers uh, are apparently beginning their holiday shopping early. Uh, We've been um, specialists, and and ourselves as well in the industry, have been warning shoppers to do that um, for, for weeks now. Uh, to avoid delays and shortages uh, with all these supply chain kinks. Uh, So retailers have stayed very busy in spite of uh, a host of challenges on them, including, of course, those supply chain issues, uh, labor shortages, uh, potential for rising inflation, um, potential for the OSHA's uh, vaccine mandate. So there are a number of things that uh, retailers are trying to keep in hand, uh, but so far so good uh, from their point of view. Uh, Likewise, there's a retail technology firm called Aptos, um, and they had a similar message uh, saying that retailers might see a late season slowdown. That would be a slumping of shopping after the holiday peak, especially if COVID case counts start to rise again. Uh, But on the other hand, those retailers have tools they can use to keep sales going. Um, They mentioned messaging, promotions, incentives, and discounts you know the sales that we all are familiar with and uh, and also sharpening their omni channel fulfillment skills so we'll see if uh, retailers continue their strong growth into the new year uh, but if they're successful as most of these sources seem to think then we'll most likely see this tight trucking market continue into 2022 as the forecast said
0: yeah certainly looks like the new normal at least for now thanks ben yep We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories, and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thank you, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. Glad to be here.
2: Absolutely. You're welcome, Dave.
0: And again, our thanks to Christiana Fasagna of CalSTART for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we also encourage you to check out our new 11-part limited podcast series from CSEMP's Supply Chain Quarterly on the Top 10 Supply Chain Threats. This week, we address the risk of not automating. And in following weeks, we'll devote segments to other critical threats that our supply chains currently face so search on your favorite podcast platform for the top 10 supply chain threats to subscribe and a reminder that logistics matters is sponsored by rider the only fully integrated logistics and transportation provider in the industry rider solutions cover the entire supply chain including warehousing transportation logistics e-commerce fulfillment and last mile discover how rider can make you ever better at rider.com. We're taking next week off in order to spend the Thanksgiving holiday weekend with our families, but we'll be back again on December 3rd with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we will discuss the new infrastructure bill and how it will affect shippers and carriers. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe. Have a great week and a great Thanksgiving.